Ashley Kalis, welcome to the Publix Radio. Thank you for having me. You're a new face on the political scene here in Rhode Island, so I'll start with a couple of biographical questions. Where did you grow up? So I was uh, born in San Diego, and then I moved to South Shore, Massachusetts in middle school. Why are you a Republican? Uh, I believe uh, that the Republican ideas about the role of government in an individual's life align me with the Republican Party. Also, I think the way that uh, I approach ideas of spending, instead of putting more money into something, I really look to the value um, of what we're getting in terms of spending. I wonder, do you have any misgivings about the current state of the national GOP? We see former President Donald Trump still putting forward his false belief that the last election was stolen. There are Republican members of Congress who've received death threats for supporting things like infrastructure. Are these things a cause for concern for you? I'm just so focused on Rhode Island right now. That's really what my focus is. Well, speaking of Rhode Island, you moved here relatively recently. You registered to vote here earlier this year. Will Rhode Islanders be able to know you well enough to trust that they could vote for you for governor, given your relatively short residence here in Rhode Island? Yes. And what people don't know is that my husband was here training at Brown for eight years and uh, and had a practice at Hasbro and Rhode Island Hospital. Uh, Comedy Plast, our nonprofit, was started in Rhode Island, has completed 15 missions uh, to Peru. It's stopped because of COVID, but we're hoping to uh, go back uh, again this year. Uh, we were engaged in 2008 uh, in Providence. We hope to start our life here but uh, we couldn't afford to stay here. We had $250,000 in student loans, so we had to leave. Uh, But now we're back. We always wanted to come back, and I love Rhode Island. What was the genesis of your campaign for governor? Rhode Island needs a fighter. Uh, Now more than ever before, COVID brought front and centers the haves and the have-nots, and every day it gets harder for working families. Um, We're getting killed at the pumps, Food prices are soaring. It costs more to heat our homes. And um, the dream of of home ownership is out of reach for many. So income is just not keeping up with inflation. Um, And as a mom, yeah. If if I could stop you there, though, the question really, though, is about why you decided to run for governor. And you were living before moving here, I believe, in Illinois. So were you recruited by Rodan Republican chairwoman Sue Sienke? If, If not, how did your campaign get started? How did the idea come to you of running for governor? So there are two different things. Um, I, um, we were able to come back to Rhode Island, and I was a healthcare professional. I didn't have an intention to run uh, for governor. Um, and some of the things I was talking about in terms of um, education, um, also uh, how difficult it is for working families, um, that was part of the reason that I started thinking of getting engaged uh, publicly again. And I uh, was recruited, um, you know, but I, I believe that it is time for change in Rhode Island. And when you say you were recruited, was it by Republican chairwoman Sue Sienke? Uh, it was. Uh, so there were multiple individuals that were interested. I first, you know, and that was later after I um, had tied my family's future to the state and started to get um upset that things 
hadn't changed uh, in a long time here, and there were things that I really uh, wanted to be better when, when we came back. Uh, I brought my my three boys here. I really want there to be um, a world-class education system. I want there to be a competitive economy, um, and I want it to be affordable to live, raise, and, and have a family here. I well, want to be able to stay. I want my kids to be able to come back here after college. Sure. Let's dig into that a little bit more. You say you want to make Rodan a more affordable place to live, work, or raise a family. Sounds good. How would you do that? Right. Well, it starts with education. So, um, and, you know, we need to fix the education system. It is an economic issue. It's also a civil rights issue. The other thing is that we need to um, be more competitive overall. So we need to um, have a more competitive business environment and make sure that Rhode Island is a place uh, where people can do business, where we're not bribing businesses to come here. One of the themes of your campaign is that we don't have to reinvent the wheel, that there are other states that do certain things well. You point to Massachusetts as a leader on improving public schools. Certainly, that's not a secret here in neighboring Rhode Island, but nonetheless, it's been a real struggle to try to improve public education. Certainly, the pandemic has made that more challenging. But what would you do differently from Governor McKee or his predecessor, Gina Raimondo, to try and make more progress on public education? Where have they come up short in a way that you would make more progress? Yeah, so we do need to look to Massachusetts and compare Rhode Island to Massachusetts. We have not um, really um, completed education reform. And there are some very important differences in terms of what happened in Massachusetts, which is the model of a turnaround, which is what we need here, um, and what has happened in Rhode Island or what hasn't happened. Um, We haven't implemented uh, certain things. We need to have high standards, right? We need to make sure that a quality education is a constitutional right. Um, We, uh, you know, we need to look at the way uh, that we have schools or or have schools uh, governed um, and involve parents. Massachusetts did that. There was parental involvement and a school was a community. We really need to do that here. Back in 2002, there was a Republican outsider who campaigned on the idea of shaking up state government. Don Carcheri went on to win two terms as governor. He was last Republican elected governor in 2006. I wonder if have you looked at all at his record and his time in Rodan to perhaps avoid any mistakes that he might have made? I've, um, you know, looked at it, but it's a different time right now. Um, The challenges are different. Uh, We are coming out of a pandemic and um, we need to really make a decision as a state uh, to have political will and and address the issues that have been issues for a very long time in this state, specifically education and the economy. So I am looking uh, forward mostly yeah, you you can learn from history, um, but in terms of his mistakes, I would rather um, look towards you know what has worked and use that here in the state. One of the big issues in Rhode Island right now is the lack of housing affordability. The median price of a single-family home is close to $400,000. What would you do to try and promote more affordability on housing? A few things. I think that an appointment of housing czar is a good thing. I think also making sure that there's a long-term commitment 
um, from a departmental level to address the affordable housing crisis because it's not going to be solved overnight. So that needs to happen. Um, we also need to work with municipalities to incentivize them to allow growth. I think that, that that's important. You need the cities and towns as partners in addressing this crisis. How about jobs and the economy? How would your approach be different than Governor Dan McKee or the other Democrats running for governor? We need to we need to become more competitive. So it is looking at how we are taxing, looking at the whole thing um, to figure out how we can become more regionally competitive with taxes, also with regulation and the way that we treat businesses as a government. Right. The way that we approach businesses as a state, um, it should be more of a teaching frame rather than punitive Um, in terms of the other candidates. I'll, I'll get these things done. We, you know, that's, it's about delivering results. You bring up taxes and Americans paid their taxes this week. So I have a related question. You also talk about leveling the playing field. We know that the very richest of the 1% are able to avoid paying income taxes by borrowing against their investments. Is that fair? I'd have to look into it more specifically, um, but, you know, it's hard for working families and they don't, I don't come from anything. So when you ask me these questions, I think of the issues and, and how hard it is when you don't have anything to be able to, to do certain things, right? But in terms of whether it's fair for people to borrow against their own money, I don't see anything fundamentally unfair about that. Are you saying that those individuals are not paying their fair share? If that's what you're saying, then no, that's not fair. We all have a responsibility to contribute uh, to the state and to the community. So if we're talking about people paying their fair shares, they should do that. Everybody should do that. On a related note, there's a proposal in the legislature to increase taxes on people who make above about $400,000 a year. Uh, Legislative leaders have, in the Democrats who run the legislature, have mostly been cool to that. But supporters say it's a matter of fairness that uh, low-income people or people who make under $400,000 are paying a disproportionate share of the tax burden. Would you support such a tax increase? So I think we need to look at it more. You know, at the um, at the the point at which people would be taxed, it would be not the higher million dollar plus individuals, um, but at the point in which people would start getting taxed more, we would not be competitive because we would be the highest marginal tax rate, I believe, east of the, the Mississippi at that break point. Right. If we go higher, there are other states that tax a bit more. But I'm not concerned so much about that group. I'm concerned about that middle group. So I think we would need to to look at it more. I think when you're talking about working families, what we need to look at is uh, regressive taxes and fees. You know, one example um, that was coming up is um, the gas tax, right? That is, it's flat. So in terms of the amount per person, right? So that's regressive. So if we're talking about what hurts working families, regressive, right? Flat fees are regressive taxes, right? In terms of COVID, uh, we know that red states have had a higher rate of deaths from COVID than blue states. As a Republican who's operated a company to help vaccinate people, I wonder if you think the the greater level of opposition to the vaccine in red states has been misplaced. The opposition from who? The patients? 
the people who were who didn't see the vaccine as a good way to protect their own health and the people and protect the health of people around them. Is this a question about whether I believe in mandates or is it um, or whether I think they made a, a wrong personal choice? A wrong personal choice. I have a hard time judging uh people on that. I believe in, in choice, not mandates, but I'm also a healthcare provider. So I feel that um, any life loss that is preventable is, is, is tragic and, and it's terrible. And, you know, I worked in a lot of the states and was personally impacted by having patients that did pass away. And a lot of that was before vaccine, right? So at the time, did I wish that we had something to prevent that death? Absolutely. You're known for your interest in boxing. Why did you pursue an interest in boxing earlier in your life? I was a teenager, um, and I uh, walked into uh, a gym and uh, walked down into the the basement gym, and I started boxing, and I just fell in love with the sport. It is an art. It takes a lot of the skills that I think will be sort of important here, right? Uh, Thinking on your feet, the ability to get up when you're knocked down, the ability to not let uh, one thing distract you from the thing at hand. So all of those skills in boxing do translate a bit to politics. Um, And that's why I, I liked boxing, too, is that it was not only physically challenging, it's also a mentally challenging sport as well. What is your favorite boxing movie? I can only think of Million Dollar Baby, but I don't know if that's it. I didn't watch very many boxing movies. It's sort of weird to watch boxing movies. It's like when my husband tries to watch shows on medicine and it's not quite right. It feels the same way with boxing movies that are that are fictional, right? It doesn't go down like that. So it's hard to watch them because you're always noticing the things that aren't real. That's all the time we have, so I need to leave it there. Ashley Kalis, Republican candidate for governor in Rhode Island, thank you for joining us. Thank you. As usual, you can find a lot more on our website at thepublicsradio.org. I'm Ian Donis.